Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Foreign Football Forecast. This is your host, Patrick speaking, and today I'm joined by my special guest, Max Ramos, Chairman and Head of the Siege Supporters Club for Inter-Miami. Max, thank you for joining us and thank you for coming on to discuss every and everything about about Miami football. Um, I'm very happy to be here, Patrick. I'm really excited to uh, talk about my club and, and talk about the uh, future of South Florida soccer. It's going to be, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think so too. So, you know, like you look at Miami and you look at Florida and it's such a diverse area and it's a place that's always had people coming from all over and, you know, they always had a Football had always been popular, but I I never really saw kind of, you know, soccer maybe put on the map as much until recent years. And I remember, you know, when Inter-Miami basically got started and there was all the discussions, was this something that was easy to kind of get on board to? You know, when you guys created the organization, was this something that you already had kind of a local supporters group or... How did that kind of formation, you know, take hold, and how did that really begin? Well, the thing is, I can tell you is that like a lot of people are like, "Oh, is Miami ready for soccer?" The thing is, that Miami's always been a soccer town. Um, we like the thing is that when you think about like who's who lives here, who's who, where are people from? It, it's like obviously, like I'm, I'm Cuban American, for example, so my people are not traditionally known as soccer fans. But like you, Miami's changed a lot since the days of the fusion, for example. It's become more. Central and South American. You have a lot of immigration from those parts. You have obviously a lot of Europeans as well. Um, and Miami's always just been a soccer town. It's just we never had like a, we never had a true, like concentrated effort to make soccer relevant here. There was a lot of attempts at trying to make it like work in, in, in spaces. There was the original Miami FC. There was the Strikers. Just the new Miami FC. But the biggest issue that I felt a lot of the times is that we're, they were always trying to develop small niches for these clubs instead of trying to be an overwhelming thing for the, the whole region. Because the thing is that Miami works in a way that we have regional teams, like a lot of places, like like the DMV area, for example. Yep. Like in the D.C. area. They have D.C. United, the Redskins. They have the Wizards. They have the Nationals. It's like that's the DMV area. New York is not... Brooklyn, like, other than basketball, maybe, like, you don't, no one, everyone calls themselves New York, right? So the thing is that they, all these different efforts were always trying to be a very niche thing about, like, being, all oh, for this area, for that area. It's reminds me, it's like, no, 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 we're South Florida's uh, MLS team. And, and, and that was the thing. And then when it comes to supporters groups and, and bands who were about having a team here, that's been going on since literally the day that the fusion ended. There was a there's a lot of people who were huge Fusion fans felt that they were betrayed by MLS by getting by having their team taken away. Mind you, the team that was taken away is considered by many maybe the best MLS team ever. They were the supporters. They literally won the supporters' shield, and then they were folded. So it was nuts. Then it just took forever to get a team again. But we always we always felt that the team that Miami and the region deserved an MLS team that we were ready for it, that the times had changed, and that we would knock it out of the park. And obviously it took a lot longer than we expected for the team to get here. Because if you would have told me in 2014 
uh, when I was there at the initial press conference with Don Garber and, and David Beckham and all the people there, they, we wouldn't play our first game until 2020. I'd be like, you're crazy. Look at this. Because what a lot of things that people don't realize is that Miami is a very difficult place to really do anything. So it was it was really hard a lot of the time to keep the faith. But once once the Moss brothers got involved and once that local Miami connection happened, which they, the Moss family really is as Miami as you can get. You can't really think of a family or a group of people that are more connected to this this area than, as them. Like they're it goes back uh, almost two three generations already with them. Um, and then, no, and then starting the siege, um, the thing is that the supporters' culture of, of Inter-Miami has, has evolved. Obviously, there was always the idea of having an MLS team. Then there was the team actually happened. And then it was just this constant, like, morphing of what is what does MLS in Miami look like? What does it sound like? And then there was a huge difference of opinion by multiple groups. Uh, that's why we have now three su- official supporters groups. Um, and what the siege was is that we felt that as a group, we we knew that Miami isn't just Spanish, it isn't just Latin American, it is European, it is American, truly American. It's white, it's black, it's 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 multi ethnic, uh, multicultural, multilingual. Like it's not just Spanish. It, there is English and there is Creole. And there's a lot of other things going on here. And I think a lot of people. Uh, and, and it's not no one's fault. It's just it's it's because of how Miami's portrayed in the media and in, and in popular culture. Miami is this like Latin hot 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 zone, which is which it really is. But it's also a lot of other things, and that's what what we wanted to do in the siege was to unite this idea of Miami as a multicultural city, having a multicultural supporters group, and and that's what we believe in. We believe in believe in diversity and inclusive inclusivity. Uh, I have a saying that if you want to be in the siege, you're already in the siege. So we're that's what we're trying to do is to show the inter in inter Miami, the international part. That's what we try to be in, in who we are on, on anything that we do. And so you know you you've talked about a lot of of kind of how it has kind of grown and you know a lot about the culture and the history of of really the sport in South Florida and. One of the things that I noticed a lot was it was trying to almost reheat a souffle with those past clubs. And it seems like until you had really, until you had really David Beckham come in and until you had a more concentrated effort that it seemed like the efforts had kind of stalled because I noticed exactly what you said. When I was down in Miami, I had seen a lot of people were really passionate about the game and it was a lot of interest and I did notice the fact that when I was, you know, kind of checking out your group and everything, that it was very inclusive in the sense that I think we get this pigeonholed perception of Miami has to be gearing all of its kind of sporting efforts to that Latin community. And to an extent, you see that, I think, with some of the players that they chose. But then you also look at the way that the club formed, the club formed and had a really strong group of veterans that came in and it seems like the club did a really good job of trying to align with what Miami is. It didn't seem like it got into this pigeonholed perception of we're just going to be, you know, the fusion 3.0 or 5.0 or whatever it is. And it seems like because of that, that you guys have been able to make better gains in the community than maybe 
some of the other newer clubs. You know, I know, for example, here in North Carolina, we have Charlotte is coming up and they're trying to do that same thing. But I think they're having a little bit more difficulty than you guys did because it seems like it seems like with David Beckham, he was really the perfect face for the franchise for you guys. It seems like he really kind of embodied all it was that Miami is and what it seeks to portray. And I noticed that that came across in both the colors, the logo, the way the club supporters were acting, the way they chose players, their scouting. You guys really had a fantastic kind of an initial entrance point, I thought. And, you know, one thing I was wondering was when you saw all this start to unfold, did you have doubts at all, you know, in, say, the past and and knowing that there was kind of these issues with getting it off the ground? Because the passion seemed to have always been there, but it seemed like there was, A, you know, there was issues getting the stadium, and then, B, it seemed like MLS wasn't taking the city that seriously, you know, in the past. Do you think there was a reason that, you know, the MLS was kind of so hesitant to to grant Miami a team? Was it lack of owners? Was it a perceived lack of interest? Or or what was kind of the reasons for all of that? And so the, 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 the way that, that I have come to understand is that they gave David Beckham a huge discount in bringing a team. And that he only had to spend $25 million for the franchise fee as compared to the up to $100 million that the most recent ones have have had to pay. So it's like, okay, so you, we give you a discount. You're David Beckham. Like, you should be able to get a stadium deal done. The thing is that a lot, a lot of people in Miami were like, you're, you, you literally shot yourselves in the foot because had they said, listen, David Beckham wants a team. We're going to give him a team. They can start playing. They'll figure out a place to play, and then, and then we'll get a stadium deal. Had they done that originally, they wouldn't have been embarrassed as much as they did. Because the problem was that at the same time you had the NYCFC issue where they're still playing at Yankee Stadium, and we were watching NYCFC play for all these years at a, at a baseball stadium. Meanwhile, we just because we couldn't get an agreement to build our, build our own stadium, because we, we have several places that the team could have played. They just, the, the league got in its own way, and we always got very frustrated about that. It's like, why are you treating us very differently when you're giving New York all this leeway? And then we saw, like, they would they gave, like, Atlanta a, a team with building a, a football stadium. And then they, they kept doing all these things, and it was like, why are you doing this? But it, it did work out in the end the right way because with the local ownership with the Moss family, um, you got that Miami connection, that Miami understanding. And, every, and then the colors, they knocked it out of the park. The name, like, yes, like the name, a lot of people were like, oh, you're Eurobiting, you're, 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 you're just like leeching off like Inter Milan and everything. But it's like, no, like this makes sense for us. And then everything they've done in, in terms of branding, of, of how, and then the team selection, you were mentioning it. Yes, they did choose a lot of really good Latin players, but they were just following what MLS has been doing in the last few years anyways. The, the architect, our roster, Paul McDonough, he's done it already. He did it in Atlanta. Like, he built an MLS Cup winning squad that they still won trophies last year with a quote-unquote bad year. Like, he built that squad. So it's like, okay, so he – the good thing about Paul that I've realized is that he doesn't care about, like, is this player going to bring in the fans? Is this player going to bring in people buying seats? 
He's like, I don't care about that. I want to win games. And that's what's important to him and to the organization. They want to win titles. So that's the biggest thing. So with that said, like, yeah, everything's been pretty good. And I'm just, obviously, like, it, 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 it's hurt that we've waited so long for a team. We had two games, one one that we just got beat by a better team, and then the other one we honestly got robbed. I'll be perfectly honest, the D.C. United game, we got robbed. And it really hurt that the day before our first home game, it was canceled. Like, we, it hurt. So it just feels like there's always been something, like, in the way. But I know that when it finally happens, happens, it's going to be so worth it that it's good. we're going to forget about all the time that we've waited. That's all I know. It, it is kind of getting robbed when you think about it, though, in, in the sense that, you know, you've you waited with all this anticipation for oh. so much time for that opening home game. And then it's like, as soon as you feel like it's about to happen and then it's just another delay. But, you know, honestly, I think I think what this club kind of represents to me is a club of resilience. I've looked at it and like, you know, you were. You were chatting about, you know, with Atlanta United. I see similarities in the way that the two clubs, like you said, the way the two clubs have kind of formed, they took a different path. They got, for example, they got Roman Torres, they got Rodolfo Pizarro, who I'm actually a Tigres fan out in Mexico, and he was playing over it. Yeah, I actually went to a game over there, and then I saw um, the Monterrey Stadium as well. And... He, I, you know, I've been watching Liga Mekis for so long, and I saw him play, uh, and I was like, when when you guys announced that signing, I was astonished. I mean, that I, I was like, this is a huge addition for them. And then you're getting guys like, you know, you had um, Lee Nugent, who was killing it for so long up at with up with New England, and it just feels like the way the the club formed. They made a strategic and kind of calculated effort to acquire players that fit their system, and they got younger players too. Like, what's his name? Um, Matias Pellegrini is only twenty years old, I want to say, and they got him from Estudiantes. Yeah, Pellegrini. He's incredible. Pellegrini, you got Caranza, and the thing, like, I can tell you, this is how well we built our roster. Pellegrini Absolutely. So, and, and that's the thing, like, and they brought in, like, Carranza and Pellegrini and Pesaro. Like, when you have guys like that coming in, and that's, like, that's the one thing that everyone thought this team was going to be was they're going to be Galacticos in MLS. They're going to buy, like, Real Madrid players. They're going to bring Ronaldo. They're going to be Messi. They're going to bring all these guys. And Paul McDonald doesn't believe in that because the problem is he has done that with Gaga in Orlando, and it was a disaster, right? So he didn't want to do that. So he built a squad. He built a squad that he said, we're going to be able to afford this squad. It's going to be actually valuable to us in the end when we're going to sell these guys for a lot less money, for a lot more money than we got them. He was going... No, and, and the thing is that, like, you've already seen in the first two games where the style of the team, Diego Alonso, is, is being shown already because of the fact that they 
Um, they, they, they built a squad that it actually fits Alonzo's system. Like, it looks natural. They didn't look out of whack or out of place in the first two games. The second game against DC United, we were on fire. We literally scored two goals. One got called back because the ref is terrible. And the only thing that stopped us was bad call on the red card to Roman Torres, bad penalty call, and then losing a man. Like, And then not only losing a man, going down 10 men, and then you lose a guy like Robbie Robinson who is caught up to the game a lot better than a lot of people thought. It's like these things are going to catch up with us, and they caught up with us, and we lost. But we should have won that game because had we not gotten refed out of a win, like it would have shown already, and and the thing is that I firmly felt that the LA the LA Galaxy game was going to be that moment where everything was going to lock in and click. I I firmly felt that we could be the Galaxy, and obviously we just not, have not had the chance to. I I kind of thought the same thing because I I looked at a you know a team like the Galaxy, and I kind of wonder and question a lot of times about both the Galaxy and in particular. LAFC, I look at a lot of the ways that, you know, clubs like that have kind of formed. It seems like they've kind of taken that approach that people thought that that you guys were going to take. You know, you mentioned that, oh, okay, there's this perception of we're going to be this kind of Galactico club. I personally never really thought it would be like that because I think Miami in and of itself, they have that passion and they have the ability to create a top-notch youth academy. So I'm wondering, I kind of, I look at Inter Miami and I kind of think that they could be the club that could have the best youth academy in the MLS. And I I feel like they can be a really viable kind of contender going forward because I think that they're able to attract a lot of players from Latin America. And I think that in the future, I wonder if that's going to be the goal to where a lot of talented players either in Florida, in the MLS, et cetera, et cetera, if they're going to be kind of becoming that marquee attraction and that destination. And it, it feels like it is because the way they've been playing, the way they've kind of been able to prove that they've been able to establish a really solid roster. And like you said, the players they got were unbelievable. I, I really couldn't believe it. I was like, this makes no sense. That this is, is It's literally an expansion club getting like some of the better players in the league, really some of the top ones. And it was just astonishing. And I, I kind of looked at that and I'm like, I think they, I think you guys kind of had a little bit more potential. Because, you know, there's only, the only other team that you have over in Florida is Orlando. And Orlando's kind of, they're okay, but I've noticed they've been having issues with a lot of players, you know, kind of left the club. For example, if there was a Kyle Laren-like player with you guys, I don't think he'd leave the club. But it's it's interesting. I think the biggest difference is that you get a good mix of people who know the game globally and then who, who know the league. Like you get like a Diego Alonso and obviously David Beckham who, who know the global game. And then obviously Beckham knows the league. And then McDonough knows the league really well. And then you bring in guys like they, they brought in Sebastian uh, Velasquez who used to be Real Salt Lake's like best player. You have Jason Kress as your academy coach. Like when you're building the infrastructure of the club that shows like we understand where we're playing because a lot of people 
thought that Miami, like, like even people in Miami, like, oh, thought we were just going to ransack the league because it's like, oh, we're going to be better because we're going to be a Latin American club, a European club. It's like, no, no, no. Well, they brought in people who know the league so that they can talk about the league and do the things that is needed to win in this league, and it's already shown. And then our academy system, as you mentioned, well, a lot of the, the clubs in MLS wanted to get rid of, like, the, like the homegrown rule and the territories and stuff, and Miami was like, we don't need to get rid of that. Our territory is maybe the most talent-rich area in the country. That's why having our academy where it is at, at the former lockout site in Fort Lauderdale is perfect because it's in that middle part of the Tri-County, South Florida area where they can get the the youth talent from, from Palm Beach County, Broward County, and Dade County getting there. And it's already shown dividends. The, the youth teams have done really well within their first year of operation. And I can only imagine when we get to year three, four, and five, when those kids are old enough to play first team, we're going to get those kids into our first team. And it's going to really show in the end that like what our system is thinking of that eventually what we want to become is like the Ajax of, of the United States. Like we want to become that club that knows that kids who can play for us or kids who come from us are going to be able to, to like actually play and they're going to be really good. So, excited about that and everything so i'm excited to see what happens with that and obviously with the team going forward once we get the season back started and do you think that that's been a challenge so far kind of you know with being able to maybe convince the league about you know maintaining that and because i'm kind of looking at it and i've never really seen any major setbacks for for the club so far because from what i've seen and, you know, what you just said about becoming kind of the Ajax is, it's an incredibly interesting idea because I feel like there hasn't been a club that's been trying to promote that level of, of kind of development. And I th- and like you said, I think when it's all said and done, you have so much talent at your disposal. So I'm wondering if there's going to be that ability to basically use use the club as like, a springboard for young players to where they feel like they don't have to go and go abroad or go to another team and they feel like they can just actually get that level of kind of dedication and that assistance and that playing time away because one of the biggest issues I've seen is I actually grew up as a DC United fan and I remember when I actually had grown up outside of DC at first and when I was there, I was there at the time when Freddie Adu came up and I'd seen clubs like in the MLS and other clubs that tried to push players to get up to the top when they weren't ready. And it seems like you guys have done a little bit of a better job as far as letting players develop naturally. The thing is that what MLS needs to become and is becoming naturally is a selling league. It needs to sell its best players Absolutely. after two, three, four years. So. What you want is you want a system where you're realizing the kids who are really talented way ahead of time when they're 16, 17, 8 years, 18 years old. Um, uh, because after that, like the thing is that it's their value decreases over time because they are they they they've already passed the prime quote unquote of their careers after a certain point. So the earlier you get them on the field, the earlier they're playing like League One professional soccer and then they're getting bought 
by uh, by European clubs and South American clubs, it'll be a lot better. So it, the thing is, that's what the club wants to become. Eventually, the eventual goal is to become the destination club for those those good players who are 23, 24, 25, 26 plus eventually. But now, right now, you got to be the selling club. you got to be the club that develops the best players that you can and then sells them off so that you can continue winning championships with those kids. But eventually, you gotta you got to send them out. Build up to them that you can actually just buy them back or just keep them for, for six, seven, eight years and win titles with those the same kids that you had when they were 14, 15 years old. Absolutely. And it's I think it comes back to that level of kind of of kind of, you know, progression and kind of just that level of harmony, having been playing with, you know, when you're playing with somebody and you played with them for throughout the academy, that level of chemistry really starts to come up and really starts to become kind of apparent. And I agree. I think, you know, I think ideally it will get to the point where, say, within the next decade, we wouldn't, we would see that kind of a shift in the way the league is. But as of right now, that ability hasn't really been there. It, it's not there yet, but it's definitely developing. And I, I think, I think it's going to be a little bit easier for, for y'all's club to be able to do that because, some of these other clubs, I feel like it's not as much of a, of a local talent pool. And then you know the other thing is, I think really the way that you your kind of leadership has developed, it's developed to where you guys have. Maybe you did take a little bit more time, but that time and that effort was all concentrated in finding the right pieces. So, you know, you see other clubs or you see other teams that have issues where they have, you know, either a great manager or a great youth academy, but oftentimes, you know, it's one or the other. So I feel like with you guys that you have that ability and it's going to be really interesting to see because right now, I'm wondering how, you know, the first season's going to go. And then I think from there, that's when we'll be able to get a little bit of a better gauge. Yeah, no, I, I, I think we, I think the, the thing is that we're going to have multiple births and rebirths of this team because, like, obviously we, had, obviously we had our first two games and then the season was postponed. So we're going to have another rebirth when the season comes back on. Then we're going to have our first full season. And then when we move, the, when we move to the new stadium in Miami, that's going to be another rebirth. So it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a work in progress. Um, obviously, Miami's a tough town that they expect you to win immediately. So it's going to just take a while. And but like I, I'm excited for it. It is finally fun to really talk about like soccer stuff, the team, the roster, the game day experience. Like we don't have to worry about whether or not the team is going to be here. It's here. It has a name. It has an office. That has all these things that we wanted. Now it's time to go. But obviously. We're just waiting for this uh, Corona uh, crisis to end, so we can start having real fun and be really locked in, and, and just go from there. Absolutely. And would you say that there's been any kind of particular challenges that you've seen from the club, and and going forward, what do you think is the principal opportunity? You know, you talk about a lot of kind of rebirths. Do you think that this is a club that within you know, the next, say, three years or four years that we'll be looking at having already been able to to win a title? Bec- yeah, no, absolutely. The, 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 the plan, and, I, and I'm telling you this from, like, a direct team standpoint, the plan is 
to be the best club in MLS, right? To win MLS Cup, the Supporter Shield, and the Open Cup. That's the goal. That's that's the primary goal, right? And there, from there, it's like we've already started talking about Champions League, Concacaf Champions League, being the first MLS club to win Concacaf Champions League. That's another big goal. And then eventually getting to that point where you're competing against the best in the world in the Club World Cup. And then you're also competing for the best players against the best teams. Like You're, you're going up in levels from there because that is the kind of ambition and the kind of infrastructure and the kind of hopes and dreams that the ownership has, that the team has, and that the fans have. So because of the fact that we're trying to become a truly global club, that is what we're aiming for. You can only become a global club when aiming for global aspirations so that is the plan and that's what we're really excited about and i'm very excited to see what happens next with into miami and hopefully we'll be able to talk about it sooner rather than later with everything else going on yes absolutely hopefully we'll be able to be looking at you know the club having won a championship and been having able to to really as you said if, if they could win a Concacaf championship it would be incredible because it's been so dominated by Mexican clubs. And I think I think that that whole kind of global aspiration, it fits very well into the city's ideal. And I, I think yes. that, I think that, and I'm wondering when you look at it, do you think that the club has done, and maybe not in all of MLS history, but at least specifically with Miami sports, how do you think that the club has done as far as reaching out to the community and kind of getting the community involved because Miami, as you said, it's a tough sports town. Unless you're able to win, it doesn't matter. You you know, you look at a team like the Marlins, for example, they're, you know, they're in baseball and you've got so many people from all of Latin America that love baseball, all of South Florida, people love baseball, but they haven't been able to succeed. And with you guys, it seems like you've been able to do much better than kind of these other either both local clubs and kind of newer organizations and has there been anything they've done in particular that helped with that or, or what I, I, do you attribute that success to of, of the right branding the right messaging the right people the right people giving that messaging and also just competency like you're talking about the marlins the marlins are the opposite of competence and that's been the biggest issue miami loves baseball yes i know this i grew up watching baseball and playing baseball it's, the problem is that we've been given the worst team to do it because when you look at how Miami cares about the Heat, it's a very different story because what have the Heat been? They've been nothing but competent. Like when they're not competing, at least the organization is not an embarrassment. When they're competing, they're winning championships or they're competing for championships. Then the Dolphins, like the Dolphins, are the same thing. When they're good, people care. When the Hurricanes are good, people care because it's not. Miami's not one of those sports towns. It's not one of those towns that's going to spend money on something that's going to be a waste of time. We're not like like the idea is like oh your, people don't go to your games. It's like, yeah, because our teams are terrible. It's like it's like we're not going to pay money for a terrible product. And that's the thing. My Inter Miami has done a really good job at least to look competent, to have the right stadium situation, to have the right team on paper, and then obviously it's the next thing of like getting people to the games, having the right game day atmosphere, and with. So if you make it fun, and you make it fun in the sense of, like, it's a fun thing to do, and you're going to watch some great football, and you're going to win, people be down for that, and that's what people want to see. So that, that, they've done, the talk has been talked, 
the, the walk has been walked in a lot of ways. Obviously, they just have to show it on the field, and it, we're not there yet because we haven't had a chance to, but we're very excited to. So it's, it's hopefully going to be very soon, and, and, and we will hopefully be able to talk about the, the true success of the club very soon. Definitely. Well, you know, I would like to, I'd like to, to thank you, Max, for explaining so much about you know, kind of Miami football culture and, and giving us just a little bit of a, an introduction to the club and providing an insight that I think very few kind of MLS and football clubs have have really been able to get, which is, you know, we don't really see the fans' perspective and it's a really nice thing of you to be able to just give us a little bit of information about how everything kind of got started, how the club has you know, kind of created how they're connecting with the fans, and hopefully, you know, when the when the season starts back up again, and we have the you know the first home game, I we'd love to be able to hear how how everything's been going, and we'd love to be able to to learn more about just just football culture and Inter Miami, and you know, if you have any. Anything you'd like to tell the audience about, you know, football, Miami, the club, anything? The floor yeah, is yours, no, my uh, friend. If, if anybody's more uh, uh, more interested in, in learning about my supporters group, the Siege, uh, we're SiegeMiami.com. We're SiegeMiami on all social media. Come come check us out. And and just, yeah, like right now is the time just to like prepare for the season and be ready for exciting for an exciting moment and, and once we can get there i would love to speak to you again and tell you how our first home game went and and how the season's going and hopefully we can have that conversation sooner rather than later yeah we we look forward to it and again everybody it's Hello? siege miami and please just you know check them out anytime you're in miami check out the game max thank you so much again for your time your effort and we really appreciate it all right patrick thank you so much have a good one. Ah, thank you.